welcome, friends. Lost Guy fan, it's time for basically a podcast with uh, John from Killer Bits. Hi. And this is going to be one of many pilots as we figure out how to do this <laughs> Many, correctly. many pilots. It's a case of everything's always a work in progress. It's mm -hmm. uh, YouTube is, is the equivalent of um, early access, isn't it? Yeah. As you can see in the corner, because it's right there, we are on Skype. Yes. It's in the corner. And uh, it's going to be a lot of figuring out format and cameras because skype is not the best at this um yeah like i said we, we need discord to add a video function don't we yeah. so we can actually do this and everything be reliable and actually work and not have to rely on skype yeah it'd be great it would be so good if, if discord had it <laughs> discord's already just hammering skype right now with just in general talking yeah and so it'd be pretty good and so we'll just be figuring it out we'll see verb on this in the future we'll see probably fran uh Oh, not probably. We will see Fran. <laughs> Try and stop her, essentially, is the <laughs> phrase. Whenever, whenever she gets back from her trip. I think she came back today. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I got a message today saying, I'm back. What, do I, what did I miss? <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> oh, nothing. Just all the things. Yeah. Just, just all of each. Just everyone melting into a puddle <laughs> somewhere. Oh, jeez, it's hot. It's so hot. Ah, but the temperature's actually broken here today. Oh, lucky. That's one good thing. <laughs> So I'm not just dripping in sweat. That's good. Those were wondering about the background looking all disorganized. There was an earthquake an hour ago, and I'm like, oh, forget okay. it. Forget <laughs> it. I'm not going to fix this. Well, like... my disorganized background is just <laughs> chaos. There you There's go. a system to everything. Because mm -hmm. it's like California, earthquakes all the time. Yeah. But, um... Like, the, the one thing is, like, if you, need, if you need sound counseling, if you don't have that special thing... Those things you put on the wall, you don't have the money for yeah. that? Plushies. There you go. Lots and lots of plushies. <laughs> it works out pretty well. There's the tip, kids. There's the tip yeah. right there from Scarf. It's a case of all those stuffed animals do have a use. Yeah, yeah. They're not just there to just look really silly. <laughs> They're also there to look silly. But um, since we're getting started here, not everyone's going to be familiar with Killer Bits. And you're John from the Killer Bits. So I am. Introductory period of what is the Killer Bits? Well, the Killer Bits is a YouTube channel, uh, if you didn't guess, and we pretty much cover well, pretty much everything, you know, from triple A's down to those weird little indies that you've probably never heard of. So, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of indie games, and I I do like shouting for the underdog because I am the underdog, and I I kind of set set up Killer Bits. Um, well, a while ago now, I can't even remember how long it's bit been. Uh, but basically, um, I did do a lot of work freelancing for TV and film industry, and then did uh, set up my own small little kind of video production company where I live. And it, it got to a stage where I was working on lots of other people's projects, and I just wanted to work on something for myself. So I thought, I'd do a YouTube channel. What's popular? What, what do I like doing? What can I talk about inanely? What do I know people love? You know, people I can work with uh, love as well. And it, it, the obvious answer was covering games and covering indies from the start was the, a big thing. Like I said, I love indie games <laughs> because, yeah, the AAAs are where all the kind of the big production values and things like that are. But Indies are where the kind of more interesting personal stories are, and that's that's what I like. I like listening to people's stories, and this is that's why I got into kind of TV and film to actually you know tell stories, listen to stories, you know, 
the the interesting stuff behind people's lives and creativity there. That's cool. Like, uh, yeah, indies are just so awesome. Like, there's so many things, and I'm looking at the. Ch- I was looking at the channel earlier because I look at it from time to time. Like, these are all games I haven't even heard of. It, like, okay, some <laughs> I've heard of, but there's ones where, like I'm looking around and I haven't seen these myself. I'm like, what? Yeah, like distrust. I didn't see anywhere, and it you made it look pretty cool. Uh, well, that 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 hooked me because it was what was it? Their pitch was, uh, we wanted to create a game a bit like uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, and I'm right downloading the demo for that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like I didn't know about that one, and oh, World of One, I saw that one, and then we did Farmers. Uh, shot. Oh, was it corn? No, shotgun farmers. Shotgun, yeah, shotgun farmers. farmers. We did shotgun yeah. farmers. That was pretty fun. And yeah, sometimes you just I'm looking and then I, I look at you guys like those are games I didn't even know exist and they look pretty cool. Yeah, I as I said, I always try and find the weird and wacky stuff. Obviously there's a lot of crap out there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Uh, I, I'm just wondering after now that green light's dead, finally. It's 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 been a long and harsh disease that has slowly killed the whole <laughs> of Steam. But now, now the patient has gone. Uh, can we oh. get back to normality? But saying that, still my inbox is filled <laughs> with, as I say, slightly questionable games. Yeah, I I figure like maybe we'll see more uh, HIO, like we'll see more IO yeah. games probably than Steam because of that. Because I know the advice people are going is like go on IO, try to make a hundred off that, and then go to Steam. Is yeah. what I've heard people said to some devs. I'm like, oh, that's not a bad advice for them. I think. And so we might just see that. And so we'll just have Steam and Itch.io to look at all the time. Yeah, well, I I, I do spend a bit of time on Itch, um, Hmm. especially during when um, all these kind of regular game jams like Ludum Dare, or Ludum Dare, however Hmm. you want to pronounce it. (laughs) London Dare. Because they they always, um, most people tend to use that as kind of where they place all all their kind of game jam and prototypes Mm -hmm. and things like that. So that's always a good one to actually see what might actually turn into, you know, um, a more no- notable game sometime in the future. Yeah, I've seen but some Basically, see whatever's trending on there, and odds are you'll see it on Devolver's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, tickets yeah. uh, about six months a year down the line. <laughs> oh, yeah, they like to recruit from there, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, you, it's interesting to see what they can make out of those. It's always fascinating to go over there and look at those. Like, uh, Papers, Please, uh, was it Lucas DePope? DePope? Yep. Him. Like, whenever he, whatever he makes in the it's always interesting. Like, how does he make such an interesting, yeah. replayable game so fast? It's interesting. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the one he's been working on since Papers, Please. Uh, the ship? Uh, the, 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 the ship one. I can't even mm. remember. Was it um, the Ballad of Oberdin or the... Yeah, Oberdin. Te- I know it's called uh, something, Yeah. The what was it? It's a one-bit game. <laughs> Literally, there's what? only one color palette, and oh, yeah, it's yeah. it's just really interesting. And I I've, I've seen some of his kind of development logs and how he's he's been going around working on you know all the shading and that. Because obviously, you, you've got to think if it's one bit, how are you going to make that stand out in a three D <laughs> environment? So it's it's been interesting seeing some of his kind of development logs and seeing how something like that is pieced together because it's it's fascinating how different developers approach different problems and hmm. and then you have some so-called developers that just buy all their assets on <laughs> unity <laughs> store unity, and just plastic it up on steam oh yeah like 
that's the thing with like maybe World of One. I saw things from like was it uh, YSMY or whatever it's called. AS. It's an older game, but I saw assets in there that looked very familiar. And yep. there's times when that happens. You're like, it's very familiar assets you see there, and sometimes a dev developer just sometimes know how a to dev will things. actually That's all. use an asset and actually mm-hmm. use it creatively. You know, use this as a launch pad. Others yeah. will just go, oh, that works. Slap it in. Because <laughs> <laughs> I. I know I did it in, in high school, actually. There was a program where you can make your own games and you use mm. sprites and everything. And you told them how to move depending on what actions were done and everything. And that made me realize, well, I was already learning how to do Unity flipping from this point, apparently. <laughs> I was already learning it. And high school today, tr- tr- teaching the next <laughs> generation of asset flippers. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no geez. wonder the, uh, the Steam got so bad so quickly. <laughs> Oh, man. We're never going to stop seeing freaking visual novels, though. Oh, my God. There's so people, many of them. People keep so buying many. them. Some of them are pretty good, but there's so many. Yeah. I think the only one I've actually played any of um, is Hatterful Boyfriend. <laughs> and that was literally because I had to get some additional oh. footage for the uh, channel. Oh, my but, God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone's seen Hatterful Boyfriend. <laughs> oh god i did um uh, because the deal i've made with my viewers is if you buy me the game and it's not total <laughs> crap i'll at least do a little bit with it yeah and they got me the tank girl dating game i'm like oh my god <laughs> okay. okay and i played that and it was i presume this funny. is a tank girl as in the graphic novel we yeah. all remember from the 90s yes and you're just dating girls who are tanks, because of course they are. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this is this is a thing. And it was kind of funnily written. And it's like, oh, this is not bad. And so we LP'd that. And then it's it's from Dev Group. Uh, them, the ones they, yeah. they, they Patreon every new game. And then I got the new one from them. They sent it to me. And I did that one. Like, okay, these are the only visual novels we're ever going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me do another, guys. <laughs> When they're you like, say something uh, like that, you know they're just like <laughs> it's it's Steam sale. They're they're, they're fingers <laughs> over the button, ready to buy you another one. Oh jeez, because like I use games for voice practice work because yeah. I like to practice voices, and so dating sim games you think might be, but like no, they're all girls. I can't just practice on girl <laughs> voice. <laughs> Are they all variations on the same girl voice? <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard part. It's not doing that, but. The Steam sale, uh, as of today, the Steam sale has started up. And there's yep. some pretty good sales on there. I'm I, well, I at like the, the moment. Sales, I'm but... still trying to actually look what there is because <laughs> it's it's the typical thing of first day of Steam. Yeah, yeah I can't even speak. The mm. first day of the Steam sale is right for the first three hours. It's oh, the site is down. The site is slow. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yep. And this is where everyone buys a bunch of games and they play like fifteen percent of. Yeah, it just happens. He's like. Well, it's not going to be on sale later. I got to get it now. Come on. And Exactly. And then you just end up never playing it. But I don't know about you. I, I'm not as hyped about Steam sales anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it's the fact that, you know, I'm becoming old and jaded and, you know, we're in the <laughs> privileged position of actually having games sent to us from developers, you know, of, you know, various sizes, things like that. But I think it's, it's the fact since Steam changed their whole way of approaching the steam steam sale where you know it always used to be a thing of you had to buy it there because it was a flash sale or you only Mm. had 24 48 hours to get it at that price 
Now it's, you know, here's the sale price. It's going to be this for the next two weeks. It it takes a bit of the kind of excitement out of it. There's, it's it's not so much the kind of Black Friday experience of right. I have to have it now, otherwise <laughs> it's gone. It's now okay. You scroll through in the first few days and go, oh, I might pick that up towards the end. And the, obviously they've tried to do kind of this whole gamification with different things each time. Mm. Um, I think the one I remember most is when they did that whole. Uh, Click a monster thing. That's what I was thinking the, of right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, the the only one that sticks in your mind. Because I mean, as I said, I'm struggling to get Steam actually working at the moment. And but something <laughs> about holiday stickers really is that going to yeah. encourage people back on a daily basis? <laughs> well, you can just give us trading cards because apparently that works. So yeah, but yeah, I get you. I agree. Like I remember, he's like, oh, I got to check every twelve hours. I got to check every twenty four hours or whatever time or every eight yeah. hours. Like I got to check. I got to check. And you get why I suppose it got complained away is because well people missed out on the sale they wanted yeah and that's what yeah that it is what happens and yeah I guess that that's basically what it was it's like well are we making more money by driving it up like this or are we making less money this way and I guess they found maybe they make more money overall but it was like it was the thing every twelve hours check Steam every yeah. twenty four hours or it became a ritual yeah. Now it's That's just, it okay, it's just another Steam sale, so. And I agree, part of it probably is that we do have the ability to hopefully get a copy of some games. Yeah. So we don't have to, because if you buy every game you cover, you're going to go bankrupt. There's yep. no way around it. Like, that's, that's it. And so sometimes it is waiting for sales to do it, but sometimes, like, you just have to, I guess, buy it. If there's a game you really want and you want to mm. cover it day of, you're just going to have to buy it if you can. And or let's face just... it, sometimes they won't actually send you the game until, like, three months after it's out. <laughs> oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, you and I both know this. Do you want to come to my game like... now? I go, no, it's not relevant anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on. Like... Unfortunately, I know it's a bad thing to say, but mm. these things have a window of relevancy. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Like, it's day of is the day to do it, or just the yeah. day after. And I noticed, like, we Unless you've been Bethesda and then they're not sending out review copies <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, they're like, oh, we know. We know we're good. We don't need to send you a copy. We know we're fine. And it's like, okay, fine. That's fine. Well, they, I know they, that's what they, they got away with that with Doom. Mm -hmm. But then, what was it? The PC release of Prey they fell, fell foul of because the apparently the console versions weren't, weren't too bad. But the PC version was absolutely awful. Ooh. Day one, and it took them about a week to actually patch it so it's actually functional. Damn! It's, but th yeah. that's the whole thing of you know if if they'd so sent out review copies, people would have warned them of you know maybe wait for the <laughs> PC version. It's true. Apparently, the I don't know how big quality control is over there, but apparently it wasn't big enough on that one. But then again, hey. PC is always a, a tough needle to thread because obviously mm. the consoles. They're producing it for one specific bit of hardware. Yeah. PCs, PC, everybody's everywhere. PC is different. Yeah, that is that is a good point. That's always the minefield of it. And yet modders figure out a way anyway. Yeah. Modders find a way. I, I can't remember <laughs> Unless the you take now. two and then you uh, make sure the modders don't find a way. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> the modders yeah. find a cease and desist letter in their inbox. <laughs> There is a game which, by just mentioning it and not remembering it, it's a bad thing to do, but... Hey there, Scarf here! Um, so... 
When I mentioned Dark Souls Modder, the fixing thing, uh, I could not remember the game, and that is Little King Story. They fixed that game up. It's a better port now, and it's really fun to check out. So, yeah. There was a game where it was just a really bad port, and they pulled in the guy who did the the Dark Souls 1 uh, mod to fix okay. everything. They pulled him in, they gave him the code, the source code, and he fixed it. Yeah. But I cannot remember what game it is right now, and that's going to kill me for Dark a Souls 2, then. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Souls 2, then. Oh, man. It was, I think it was a Konami game, or it was a Namco Bandai game. They were like, okay. here you go, we know you can do this. He's like, yeah, there's like a lot of unnecessary code in here. This is unnecessary. This didn't need to be it. This is redundant. Yeah. He just cleaned it up, and it's a really good uh, port now. And it's going to haunt me that I can't remember what game it is right now. I have to, <laughs> I'll put that in the comments once I remember what it is. Yeah. But it's good seeing some mod support in a way. And we see what Bethesda is doing with the uh, their paid mods. The Creation the Club. There you go, the Creation Club. I want to believe they had Creator Cave ready. And then, like, dang it, EA! <laughs> and then the EA pulled along. <laughs> we gotta change so many things now. <laughs> Why? Why, EA? The Creation Club. And So where do you actually stand on the Creation Club? And the, the, the idea of, quote-unquote, paid mods? I, I have to, like, I feel like... It's awesome what the modders have done these all the all these years, yeah. and it's, of course it'd be nice they've been free. But yeah, it, if they do things worthy of making money, they should definitely get paid for it. The problem is, is the give and take of how many people are going to get to enjoy it. I suppose, yeah, because some people just don't got the money. Like they had enough to buy Skyrim, but maybe they don't have any more after that. But some people will have money. What was interesting was hearing about. I don't remember the main mod site because I use it and I don't remember right now. The big one where everyone gets their mods. Nexus from. mods. Yeah, Nexus mods. And they have a donation money uh, button, and everyone yeah. says, just donate. And they're like, nobody donates. Yeah, 0.0001% of people that use a mod will actually donate. A donate button doesn't work, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, I wish it does. I wish it did, but it doesn't. And so you got to find some way to reward these modders, and this is the best way to do it so far. Like, it's better yeah. than what they had with Steam, for sure. Because that was kind of Wild West and really silly in a lot of ways. This is going to be more curated. This is going to be... They're going to work I, I, with I think the uh, Tell Biscuit kind of summed it up best. He oh, said, yeah. this isn't paid mods. This is third-party developed DLC, mm -hmm. essentially, because Bethesda is actually curating it. Bethesda's basically on the line if it breaks the game, mm -hmm. because you're having to pay for it. You're paying th through their own store, online, fun books cash register type thing so it's third-party dlc it's basically dlc that bethesda hasn't developed itself uh, that, yeah. and i think that's the best way to look at it and for people saying oh but i want my free mods the these mods the this creation club content is for skyrim how fucking long Skyrim been out? <laughs> it's been out for six years they've been modding yeah. right from the start if you can't find a mod that is close to what you want now just give up because yeah there are thousands of mods for skyrim and they're yeah. all free at the moment so it's that's for sure it'll be uh whatever what's what's Skyrim? six or five elder scrolls uh morrowind was four i think I, or yeah. three morrowind was three oblivion so this so next one be whatever six elder scrolls yeah. six i think it'll be a question of that will it just be just a crap ton of dlc i suppose mm. And that's essentially what it will be. It'll be 
choose your DLC kind of mod, I suppose. Yeah, or Elder Scrolls Six. I mean, that is a good point. I mean, going forward, will Bethesda use this as a way of right? Well, we're no longer going to do first-party DLC. We're just going to leave it down to our creators, you know, the people to create it. And that could be a good or a bad thing, because mm-hmm. I mean, some of the DLC that they've brought out for Fallout, um, Fallout and Skyrim has been okay, and then others has just been. What was the Skyrim one? Hearths, Hearthfire, Hearthstone, where uh, it was just how to build a house. Oh, it was Ice and Fire, <laughs> something like that. It was just element and element, and it was just building yeah. a house. Yeah, yeah, it's dull. Like. Yeah, like that's like that's just for certain people. Then that'd be fine. Like, yeah. and then you've got the modding community that create entire lands and storylines. <laughs> you know, you know, twelve, thirteen hour epic storylines. Mm. Then that's just a fraction of it. Like, there's the uh, there's the optimistic potential. There is yeah. you could have story writers for Elder Scrolls Six, just people who just make these excellent stories in that world. And so you just go off and you do this story, and maybe it's like five bucks for who knows, like a ten-hour adventure. Yeah. And then you just follow that person. They're gonna maybe they'll make another story for Elder for Elder Scrolls Six and another one. You could have these epic tales. I think you could, and that'd be there's potential. There's it's wide open with the potential. It's just gonna cost money, and that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. Mm. Like when when you don't have any money, yeah, it sucks. It definitely sucks. So there has to be enough there for someone who just bought the base game for the love of crap. Yeah. And there's always going to be free mods. There's always going to be free modders, I feel. Yeah. And I, you also have to uh, think about the fact is, hopefully this would actually be a gear change for developers and publishers. Whereas we, we've known in the past they've said, oh, no, we, we don't take anything out purposely to sell it as DLC. Mm. But we know they do. Yeah. If, we, if more take this approach, we know whatever the base game is, that's what everything is in there. It's nothing has been shaved off just to sell, you know, as some horse armor three months down the line <laughs> or anything armor. like that. Yeah, because this is third parties. This isn't the this isn't the main house doing it. It's yeah. the third parties doing it. So that becomes a question if they're going to have a distinction down the line. This is so much just thinking down the line yeah. of will we see first party DLC and then third party DLC? But at the end of the day, it's still Bethesda is commissioning that. Yep. They're paying for that. Because, again, going back to TB's video on, on it, apparently it's not just a pitch and then you go and make it. It is essentially like a contract with Bethesda. So they, a wannabe developer pitches an idea for um, one of these creation club mods, and then they actually get paid for it. Then they get paid for the milestones of, you know, you have to complete it by this date into an alpha, and then we're going to pay you the next chunk. It's not you're going to get a five percent share of whatever's sold. It's no, this is your contract. You're, you've you'll say say you're going to make this piece of content. We're going to pay you for it. If you don't produce the goods, then you don't get paid. Hmm. Are they doing milestones too? I think they're doing milestones, aren't they? Yeah, they're, 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 uh, yeah. It's it's you know pitch, and then they've got like an alpha milestone, a beta milestone, yeah. and completion as well. I'm actually curious if they're going to put QA on them or not. That's, They'll have that, to. They'll have yeah, to. Because if it's being sold through Bethesda, Bethesda is going to be on the line for everything. And it's mm. going to have to work with the base game. It's going to have to work with all the other <laughs> DLC and things like that. So it's, it's going to be one of these that hopefully this content won't break the rest of the game. 
That is but a very again, good question. Then it is Bethesda, and they've managed to break their own games in the past. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, I guess maybe they'll have to have, like, base game and then the mod version of things, I guess, so that you still have your game? Because, yeah, all these mods can always conflict with each other. Yeah. And you can't really prepare for conflicting with random other person's mods, so... But the, the other Ooh. advantage is, obviously, these creation club developers and that will also have access to the source code and that, so rather than trying to backwards engineer a mod into it, they'll be able to actually work with the game from the start. That is very true. That's a very good point right there. That, that is good. one of the things that tends to break games, is <laughs> when somebody knows enough to actually shove something in, but didn't foresee, oh, it's going to kind of cascade effect and affect this further down the line. There's a, there's a very good point on the just source code and all that stuff. And it's going to be interesting. And just, does anyone follow suit? Because Bethesda's the big one for mods, but they're not yeah. the only ones people mod for, of course. Uh, like we said, nobody's going to be modding for GTA or any <laughs> Rockstar games anytime in the future. <laughs> well, they're doing their own thing. They're, it's interesting how they're doing, they're just doing a lot of DLC for the multiplayer version and everything. Yep. It's a cash cow. It's a huge cash cow for them. And Unfortunately, it means it's going to be exactly the same with Red Dead. Oh, right. Oh, no. Yep. Wasn't even thinking about that right now. Shoot. Yeah, this is the whole thing. You you, you have to think, oh, this isn't just going to affect now. This is affecting any future game. Eesh. So they're going to shove a whole load of kind of the equivalent of shark cards into Red Dead Online. Oh, man. So and you're going <laughs> to you're gonna have horse armor. You're going to have yep. horse armor. Yep. Because there's every, that car. Every, every three months, there's going to be, you know, a pack of, you know, horse armor, you know, oh the, the equivalent, you know, because it's all the updates for oh GTA Online that year. Because there's, there's that car in GTA. The, the car which that is 100% bulletproof. You can shoot through the, the car. It's like, I don't feel like losing any more car. It's like, yeah. how much money you put down for that thing? You can only beat it with like a rocket launcher, I think. It's just silly. It's really silly, that car. And I'm just imagining it's going to be a cowboy on an armored horse. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Just make it full on silly. He's in armor. He's just wearing knight armor. Yeah. You can't shoot through it. Why not? Go full Ned Kelly. <laughs> oh, Ned Kelly. Oh, man. It worked out for him for the most part. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, just mm, not looking forward to that. And at, at this point, it's got to come to PC. I don't. I just don't see anything really stick in the console for the most part. We still have the exclusives. Like I want to play Horizon Zero Dawn, but that's only on PlayStation. Yeah. I think it's PlayStation and Nintendo are the ones you're probably never going to see on PC. But Xbox is constantly seeing on PC for sure. Yeah, but then then you have to um, uh, go. All right, it's only going to come to Windows 10, and I have to put it with the, the Windows 10 store. Because I mean, oh, yeah. I, the people that got excited, the fact that Cuphead is actually on Steam, right, wishlisting that, I'm not getting that on Windows 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, so many years later on that, it's finally coming here. Like, it looks amazing. Just, I remember it was like, 2015, we're coming out soon, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we're coming out soon. 2015. <laughs> well, we've still got a couple of months. It may get pushed back again. <laughs> oh, my God, if that happens... <laughs> I'm pretty hyped to play it. I'm just concerned about length of time for a game like that, because that's it's like a Contra kind of game, and Contras aren't very long. 
Yeah. And drawing all that out, that had to take a lot of time. So that's got to be real expensive work there. I don't it's know that, how long it's that, that whole thing of, you know, is is it going to live up to expectations? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Is it going to be as bad as the No Man's Sky effect, though? Oh, man. I, to, to give it credit, I liked it. I just, uh, the hype it got was so foolish. Like yeah. as a, as a game itself, like yeah, this is this is a calming it, this is a calming game where you're just exploring and just doing whatever. Not bad, but if you bought into the hype, yeah. that was not going to go very well. For I, you. I think where the, the the Cuphead devs have been slightly more canny is the fact is I I can't say I've actually seen any interviews specifically with them. Whereas obviously the the issue with No Man's Sky was. Sean Murray kept coming out going, oh, yes, it's going to do this, it's going to do that, it's going to be all this, that. When you start selling people on mm-hmm. that yeah. from from the horse's mouth, essentially from the actual developer, then that's when, <laughs> when it doesn't deliver, that, that's when things get a bit ugly. It's like, hey, guys, you need more rope? Let me bring some more rope. Here you go. <laughs> Just giving you more rope to do, to do with me with. I was like, come on, man. I was like, oh, this sounds amazing. This is incredible. It's like, I'm like, there's no way. There's no yeah. way. Molyneux's back, guys. Molyneux's back. <laughs> Holy crap. It's like, you're going to see the trees grow. You're going to be able to watch them grow out of the ground. It's going to be great. Like, to get Fable was still a good game. I enjoyed Fable, but it was nowhere near what was hyped about it. Yeah. And. Well- I, I'm still waiting for somebody to make the virtual pedophile. What, what was it? What was it? The Connect Game Milo. Oh, was it? There was the modern use one where you could actually talk to this kid, and this kid would uh, recognize you. And, oh God, no! Oh no! Uh, you can just talk about Molyneux for a minute. Just what was it? The cube. Are you sure? We 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 could maybe do an hour on Molyneux <laughs> if you want. Just, just a little bit. Just the, the cube. Like everyone would just push the cube to just break off pieces. Tap, tap, it'll tap, it'll tap, cost tap, money. Tap, 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 tap. And then the ultimate troll move, but genius move. Yes. You can add pieces back. Like, oh my god, <laughs> the money being made right now. Yep. This is genius. I don't. It doesn't matter what's in the center of the cube. It's like it will change the life of someone. <laughs> Their life will change forever. It'll be glorious. Oh and my did that, god! Did the guy that actually got to the center and got that? Did he ever get his money from Goddess? As far as I know, still no. <laughs> that sucks. And yeah, I, I then read again, the did any of the staff at Twenty Two Cans get their paycheck from Goddess? <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know, no. Like I played Goddess. I'm like, okay, it's not bad. It's all right. Okay. And you, there's little developer notes from each person on there. Okay. And there's Molyneux is gonna be it's gonna be an excellent game. It's gonna be great and all this stuff in there. <laughs> like no, no. And then I played uh, Goddess Wars, which was actually enjoyable. I liked Goddess Wars. But okay. It had balancing issues and everything, but at the end of the day, it's not what he what was promised. Once again, it was just an okay game. It was Molyneux being Molyneux. <laughs> yeah. It, but it wasn't like Fable. Like I think the what helped was when he had money. Like I was it. Xbox helped him with it? I can't remember who, who worked with him when he made Fable. Yeah, when he exactly. has money behind him when he's making games, even when he overshoots, yeah. he still makes a decent at, game. At least with kind of Fable and that, the, yeah. the people from Microsoft were there. Just reel him in a, bit, in a bit, you know. <laughs> Peter, we're not going to give you your paycheck until you actually deliver what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And they're, 
they're not bad games at all. Like, I enjoy the Mario yeah. games. They're pretty good. Goddess, on the other hand, this was him without any restraints. Yeah. And it wasn't so great. Now, the other thing, the, the cube with the ball, I can't remember what it was. You just click on it. That was freaking genius. That was a genius <laughs> move there. It the perfectly took advantage. The ultimate game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfectly took advantage of what Molyneux can do. Hype something up. That's what he yeah. did very well. And I wonder how many words. people actually brought, was it the equivalent of diamond pickaxe to actually get get through the tapping quicker or whatever it was? Oh my god, I don't know. I know he made money though. He made money and it all yeah. it all went away because of Goddess. Yeah. Because I think it was Eurogamer, and no, it might not have been Eurogamer. One of the one of the websites, like they interviewed him, and they they took him to task. They were really rough with him, and it's just a lot of him defending himself. Like, look, we're trying to make it work. We're trying yeah. to, like, I haven't slept in like months. Like, I'm trying <laughs> to get this done, and it's like it's partial. Like, yeah, that sucks, and it's also partial. Like, yeah, that's kind of what happens when you did what you did, though, and you feel for him. But it's also this is one of the sad stories of just trying to overshoot like that. Yeah. But it also, it's almost, it's sad in some ways because not so much with the tappy, tappy, tappy game, but obviously with Goddess, Molyneux was trying to go back to his roots with stuff like, you know, uh, black and white and populist and all that kind of stuff. Trying to go back to the well, essentially. And it, 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 it kind of failed. And we've seen that time and time again now with Kickstarter games, haven't we? Obviously, the X-Rare guys with ukulele, the, uh, um, the dev of, um, what was it, Mighty Number no. 9. It wasn't Mega oh, Man. <laughs> oh, man. I played, I played Mighty Number no. 9. I played Mighty Number no. 9 the year before it came out. I'm like, this is boring. I'm not enjoying this. Yeah. Please tell me. Well, they pushed it back. Okay, so there's time to make it better. They didn't make it better. They didn't but, make it better. I mean... By now, we should be wary of any of these ones that are tapping into nostalgia, but they still keep raising the money. It's, it's as I say, because it's nostalgia. sad in some ways, because obviously it's these developers going back to what was like their first game or their, their passion project as, as such. And you'd think with everything they've learned over time, or obviously all the money they've managed to raise to actually create these games, it, it could recapture that magic. But so far, I can't think of one that has actually, you know, tapped tapped the nostalgia well, but actually delivered. I have your answer. Shenmue 3 in 10 years. <laughs> Freaking Shenmue 3! Oh my god. Will there like, be a oh, whole god. section where we have to drive a forklift? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's why I never finished the game. That forklift portion. Like, I think it bugged out. I did forklifts for like two weeks in that game. Like, all right, I'm not finishing this game now. Forget it. What was... Like, I know what they were trying to do, but what? I don't know. I, I felt like... Having played Genuine, like, that forklift portion. <laughs> it, it was... They were trying to be literal slice of life with that game, which is very yeah. ambitious, very interesting. And now we got Shenmue 3 coming someday. Yeah. But... Yeah, I. But the, the thing has is, has anyone the, hit it? I I can't think of any of the ones that have obviously tried to be, you know, tried to be nostalgia inspired games, going back to whatever era of gaming it was. Um, because the problem was the problem with that, of course, has got to be that well, things have 
time has gone by and people have improved on those formulas. Yeah. And by just being what it was back then, all those flaws are back. They're just there again. And I believe that was the big problem with ukulele, but that's what some people actually liked about it. Yeah. They liked that it was still that. And like, uh, like, isn't Fran working on that? The, uh, Fran has just, I think it was uh, about a week, two weeks ago, she finished her uh, Let's Play of ukulele. And overall, they kind of enjoyed it, but... It it didn't live live up to the hype as as much as they thought it would. They 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 thought it was going to be going back to you know banjo kazooie and things like that. It had that kind of vibe to it, but it was once you got past that initial thing of, okay, it's a third person character platformer. What else is there to the game? <laughs> mm, dang, that's too bad. Because I I know she was saying if she played it alone, she would not she would not be enjoying that because yeah. she had someone to top to play with. It was. It was working out. But yeah, it's just stuck in the past, and... Let's see, okay. The next ones that are gonna be like that... Let's see, Shenmue 3. Uh, I don't know, I don't think... I don't... I'm not sure how successful it was, but... It did succeed, and that was... Uh, MechWarrior... What's the other name for it? It's MechWarrior and Battletech? Yeah, the Battletech... Uh, Battletech, I'm assuming, because that, that was actually featured at E3, wasn't it? So yeah, it was on the and... PC gaming show. I kickstarted that one like two two years ago, I think it was. It's been a while. There's the thing, development time takes a while. Yeah. And they originally just wanted like seventy thousand to just make a single player experience. Like just you just do some maps, it'll generate yeah. things, it'll be real fun little scenarios. And then it, it just bro broke open. And then they're like, okay, we'll make multiplayer. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we'll have uh, like more of this and more arenas and this and that. And then uh, there's Mercenary Mode, which has me super hyped for that game, because I love Merc Mode. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite thing about MechWarrior, was Mercs, because you have to plan ahead as you're playing, because you have to maintain your mechs and everything. Yeah. There's a lot of economy going on. And so I'm hyped for that, and I'm hoping that they'll be, it'll be good, because it is, again, people going back to their well. This is what they know. And we'll see. We'll see when that one comes out, and we'll see when Shenmue 3 comes out. I do not, like, shit... The thing is, I feel, is as much as people like to give crap for the big companies, they do restrain people in a way that makes yeah. them do things pretty well. Shenmue's on its own, I think, or they have investors, or they're with I can't remember all of a sudden now. Well, obviously, wheeled it out for the, uh, when they actually launched the Kickstarter, they wheeled yeah. it out through the through Sony PlayStation the conference, yeah. wasn't it? At E3. Yeah, so they're getting their so backing. They're, they're, they've got a little bit. I don't know whether it's financial or publishing, or mm. th there's some sort of backing there for that. And wasn't Shenmue originally with Sega? Yeah, Shenmue was originally Dreamcast. Yeah, and he wanted to make like thirty games originally. Yeah, <laughs> that was going to be a journey, and it just bombed. Like Shenmue Two bombed. I don't remember Shenmue One was good enough. Well, it had to be if they made a sequel. And then, yeah, he was up. He was at PlayStation conference. He says we have a Kickstarter, and that blew the hell up. Yeah, because E three is the best place to announce a Kickstarter, and it just made what was it? millions. So remember how many? And they do have Sega with them. I think it's just proving the Sega they can do it. I just don't know if it's on yeah. its own. And the, it's a thing of just restraint really helps because we saw Double Fine with uh, Massive Chalice and how that yeah, worked out. Yeah, it's the whole thing of. When they have a, a target and they go blow past the target and then 
it makes a worse game yeah. because that they're having to fulfill all these kind of stretch goals and you know they're making it bigger than they originally planned and they're basically reaching I'm just digging up what how much did Shenmue make in the end yeah <laughs> cuz i am 6.3 million <laughs> And that's just Kickstarter. They originally <laughs> wanted two million. I was gonna say like I couldn't remember, so like conservative three million? Six Six point three and you and you know they've got additional funding since then. Oh it does take millions to make a game, but yeah. oh my god. I I believe that's number one most successful on Kickstarter. That has to be. What could beat that? I Right? <laughs> Because Massive Chalice was like maybe 2 million, 3 million? I don't remember how much ukulele I can't remember made, exactly. But just, yeah, all the, I just feel like it's, okay guys, have a plan. What could we actually do with this much extra money? Like, is it feature creep or is it things we'd like to do but we know it'll cost more money? I suppose yeah. is the way to go about it. I know... It, mi- I, it might be better in those kind of situations going, right, whatever it is is left over past the target. We'll go towards the DLC and the expansion to it. That I would I would think is the better way to go about it. Is like instead of future creep, it's like a DLC. Like we'll just this will be the things coming up later. Yeah. One thing I didn't like from a lesser known is uh, Banner Saga. Banner okay. Saga three through Kickstarter, and if you've played Banner Saga, they put up one of the characters from the first game as a Kickstarter goal of. Whether he lives or dies depends on if you go past this threshold. And I was very unhappy about that. I'm like, that guy's awesome. But I mean, that, that was one of those. I am. Um, I was kind of torn with the whole how they approached that, specifically Banner Saga three with Kickstarter, because obviously Banner Saga one got kickstarted. Then Banner Saga two, they basically did off their own dime, and then they're going back with. I know the reasons they did it. It just feels like okay. Um, is this you haven't got the confidence that it it will make the money? But I know, I I know the reasons they did it because Banner Saga Two didn't re- raise as much in sales as they'd hoped, and they wanted to make it like a, a trilogy type thing, and they 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 still have stories to tell essentially, but. To me, it just feels uh, a little icky having to go back to Kickstarter for a third in a trilogy. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I get the reasoning. It, it's also an advertising thing, and like, yeah, that that'll help them out. I just, for me, it was, that was the one sticking point. Was that, and also just what are they like? I was really surprised. Like, what are they kickstarting for? They this is the third game in their thing, and yeah, two did not do as well as they had hoped. Which is too bad, because one was incredible, so you figured enough people yep. would go over for two, and yeah, also for three, because it's a hell- that is a real good story. Yeah. It's a very and good story, well written. The, but... They have actually um, made money with the kind of design and the engine they used as well, because I, I know there was a, a Kickstarter that just finished maybe a week or so ago called Ashes of Creation, which have oh. actually licensed the um, engine off them to do it because they're, they're, they've gone for a very similar look um one of the characters looks like the blacksmith out of the unity 3d trailer from a few years ago but i know that they're they've sold the license to use the the engine they've used in banner saga on 
several other games. That that's a good thing to do though. Like if you got an engine yeah. that works, sell it off. That's for Shangri. Like Unreal Engine, after all, everyone uses that thing. They're making yep. money on that. That that is a thing to do. And well, good for them making money that way, because I want to see them make more games. Like Banner Saga is pretty dang good. I like what they've done with it. Didn't really care for the multiplayer um the free to play one. Because well, I just would rather the store was more interesting. <laughs> but the gameplay's pretty good. I just the story is what has me invested in that thing. It's a very fascinating yeah. story going on. And I just want to I well three's gonna come, and then that'll be that trilogy be done. We see what they do after that. That's yeah, the thing. It'd be about, interesting to see once they've they've got that story out of the way, what they approach as a, a new project. There's a topic to talk about. It's just the heartbreakers of devs that only make one game and then they disappear. Oh, we're not, we're not going to go into Phil Fish, are we? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we're not. We're not. There's, there's oh, okay. nothing there. There's nothing there. There's nothing oh, he's there. He's so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Until he quits Twitter. Yes. I... Like you, you get it though. Like when you're popular, you get all sides. You get good and you get bad, and we always remember the bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And he just too much for him. It's too bad. <laughs> too bad, right there. Wasn't the nicest guy. They don't necessarily have to be the nicest people. You don't have to support no. them personally if they make a great game. It's about the game and what it does for people more than the creator. Sometimes. Because. Oh, not, I'm not bringing that up. Forget it. <laughs> Last night, I'm not bringing that up. I'm not that I thought I could goad you into that. <laughs> I'm not going to bring that up. That was that was a dark time for us all. That's really what that was. Everybody lost friends. That was a bad time. I, I lost friends. Just people were like, why aren't you on my side? I was like, dude, I don't even want to engage in this. It's not worth it. It wasn't worth it for anybody. The, that ruined a lot of friendships. That whole thing ruined a lot of friendships. If you don't know what that is, it's fine, viewer. <laughs> Listener. That's, that's one of those you don't need to look up on yeah, Google. Yeah, the dark times. Just That's that's where we got to see the, the ugliest part of any gamer. Besides whenever a game gets pushed back, for God's sake. Yeah. I, 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 hate it when, I hate it when we see the ugly side of gamers. I guess we could be better. Because it's always the fight of... People thinking gaming is just a kid's medium yeah. when it's never really been. Like, it I, started out in bars and stuff, for God's sake. Yeah. It's, there, there is a lot of tribalism in it, but it's, you also have to uh, think of it like people become as protective about, you know, games and franchises and consoles and all that as, you know, other people get about you know sports teams you know yeah. people live and breathe their local soccer team or their the their the, the baseball team or basketball team they support it's 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 just the same people love to kind of attach themselves to something else bigger than themselves so that's what happens with games as well so yeah like when when things turn nasty they really turn nasty yeah cuz like, uh, soccer is a religion in South America. It's a literal religion down there. Yep. It's all about the soccer. And you, you have the fanboyism, and that is never going to go away. <laughs> it's, sometimes it's way too messed up. I, the console wars, what? they don't exist to me. I'm like, this no. console wars, come on. Everyone's it's not got because we're PC fun. Master Race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
I just like I've never been a fan of fanboy. I know I've been guilty of it myself. We've all yeah. been kids. We're like, my thing's better cause that's it. Just cause. It's just cause. I just I'll never give anyone crap for loving something, but I will give them crap for hating because of something. Like because yeah. you don't need to hate. Like when people what was it? Uh Wind Waker, I think. When Wind Waker got shown off at E3, there were literally people in the crowd crying. I'm like, damn, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm happy to see another game. And there were people just giving them crap for crying. I'm like, no, they love this. This is the thing they really enjoy. Yep. You have something you'd cry over. Come on. And it's the beautiful thing when, when fandom in that way and the joy it can bring. That's my favorite thing about games is what it can do to people. The joy it can bring. Just the happiness it can bring to people is amazing. And just the escape it has. Because there's, there's, there's power fantasy in a lot of games, but there's other fantasies yep. as well. And... It's the escapism as well. The mm. Escapism is a big factor, obviously. I, I mean, especially with an older generation playing games. Obviously, we'd, like you said, a lot of people approach it that, you know, video games are just for kids. Uh, but a lot of kind of adults in that playing games, it's an escapism. I can, I've, I've worked, you know, the last 10 hours, a, a, a job I hate. I just want to come home and play FIFA for two hours. I just want to go and play Warcraft, for, you know, escape into a different world just to be somewhere else. So it's a lot of the time, it's not so much power fantasy. It's just, I want to do something yeah. that isn't my nine to five job. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's the, the big beauty of what games are. Like uh, you read a book, you can, you can, you're, you're in the world, you're seeing the world from the book, but you're not controlling your actions in that world, yeah. I suppose. You're a passenger. And yeah. that's the same with TV, it's the same with film and things like that. The, the one glorious element about video games is you can get carried on this journey, but you also have agency in it. You can get, you have control of the characters. Well, unless it's, you know, uh, <laughs> some yes. certain games. But no, yeah. um, you have this control and you, you get swept up in the game more and more because you, you have this control, but you're, you're being carried thrown in far and wide in this world that let's face it is becoming more and more real especially with the addition of virtual reality and all that kind of thing as well it is becoming more encompassing more you know immersive yeah we're, we're not at holodeck yet but we're getting there we're getting there guys <laughs> we all want to be sherlock holmes or not sherlock <laughs> we all want to be detectives we all want to be bald detectives that's all that's that'll be the first project <laughs> Speaking of someone like Manu, David Cage. We have David Cage's. This can a game make a person cry? Yes, it can. We just saw yeah. Zelda, but um, his exploration of humanity with uh, become human, but the androids and everything, and he's just trying to make things more visually real and all that. Yeah, him pushing that way. This is the big beauty of games. It's the big beauty of any medium. Is there's so many people in different directions doing so many things, and it brings the genre forward in general. Yeah. So he's doing all this focus on choice-based stuff, and he's doing all this focus on making the people look like people. Yeah. And so that technology could be used for another game later on, or that storytelling style and such. And that's pretty cool as well, and that is the beauty is just how wide the genre can be in interactivity, and also just sitting there, I suppose, with certain games. But, and it, but it's, you know, David Cage takes it that direction, you know, more real, more, you know, truck. Like he said, he's trying to capture people's emotions in, you know, the, the muscles in somebody's face, you know, the, <laughs> those lovely eyes on that old guy. But, um, old man with lovely eyes. It's, it's also, 
there there are people that are you know tapping into people's emotions and things like that in another way completely we 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 spoke about lucas paper earlier you know papers please oh. gave people anxiety yes it did and it's a low quality you know this almost 8 bit kind of look and feel to it and you're literally just in this booth, you don't even see your character, but you, yeah. you create a story for them because he has a family and you, 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 <laughs> you've got this job you don't like, but you have to feed your family. So much anxiety. You know, if you want to tap into emotion, David, you know, <laughs> you don't need so many polygons that you can actually see somebody's paws on their skin. You know, <laughs> yes. Some, oh. Sometimes the story can lead you to an emotional response. I remember that I remember playing Papers, Please, and that moment happens where, like, this person or their family will die, depending yep. on what I do right now. And I, I, we LP'd that, and it's just, I think, like, one or two minutes of silence of me just going, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know. Because if I screw up the wrong thing at the wrong time, my family's gone. <laughs> I was like, oh, and it's such an amazing thing when a game does that. Another game that did it very well was Soma. Soma, I still yet to play Soma. That's a horror game, and it does it mostly well. It has some problems with it, but if you stick with it, it gives you choices that turn your stomach. It gives you choices you're like, I don't want to make a decision. (laughs) I have to make a choice to move forward. I don't want to. I don't want to. Nope. Nope. No. Sit here for five minutes not wanting to do it, making a choice and moving on if I want to continue this game. Uh, that's, my, that's my only problem. Um, s- some genres turn me off. Hmm. Certain experiences. I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of horror games. Not for the horror factor. Normally it's because horror games almost like horror movies have become so cliched you know you 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 could sit in the first five minutes of a game and you go all right well i know where they're going to put the hot jump scares or i know they're going to do this they're going to rely on these kind of you know cliches and it just turns me off i get incredibly bored by horror games I'll, i'll i'll jump at the jump scares because normally they're they're screaming something through the headphones at you so you your automatic response is to jump but I most horror games just bore the living crap out. Yeah, uh, they are very boring games. Like Soma has a, a boring point. Selling you on Soma, apparently. Um, <laughs> what what Soma does is it's a lot of exploring humanity in a way, while also dealing with these horrible this with horror happening. And it's more in line with uh, the the one where you just. Oh my god, I can't remember the name of the game right now. Insanity's Requiem. Hey, Scarf here. Um, when I said Sanity's Requiem, that's uh, that's Eternal Darkness. I meant Amnesia the Dark Descent. And it's more you're hiding from the monster because you can't actually fight the monster. And you're just sneaking around it. And it's the tension of not getting caught. Yeah. It's that kind of game. That's what Soma is. It's a lot of the tension of hiding around something. But at the same time, you're dealing with a lot of questions about humanity. And hard questions to ask yourself about things. And that's what makes it compelling. But there are a lot of boring portions be- between in the game as well, unfortunately. But narrative-wise, it's pretty interesting. One game that should have been the best, th- that sh- that had all the potential, was Alien Isolation. Yeah. That was the game that should have done it, because it had a mix of some action in there, but you do have an enemy you can't kill, 
you have an enemy you have to hide from. But halfway through the game's like, stop bugging me! <laughs> You're being really <laughs> annoying, sir. I want no more of you. It's the problem with Slender, too. It's like, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you, Slender. Yeah. You're not you're not scary anymore. You weren't scary <laughs> after 10 seconds. I just want you to leave me alone. I just want to collect these pages. <laughs> this is the problem with horror. Like, what made at least Five Nights at Freddy compelling is that it's a management game. It's just a power yeah. management game. Like, at least there's that. And jump scares. Really, really tired jump scares. Um, I had to play a bit of Slender so we could grab some footage for a gag. And we got tired so quickly because we went running around trying to look for Slenderman. And when you'd, you you approach it a game like that, you know, no, instead of being right, this is a scary game. I'm going to get scared. If you approach it as I've got a job to do, where the hell is he? Then it becomes a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> where are you, Slender? Where are you? I need you. Know, you. We we could have put the Benny Hill music on it, oh. chasing chasing down Slenderman. <laughs> I've used that two or three times in videos. That is never a bad idea. That's always hilarious. That is the funniest thing to always do. Oh, I'd love to do that. Not just Benny Hill Slenderman. Where are you? Finding Slenderman. That, that's hilarious. That's funny. Just, that is the problem with those games is, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's, it's all about jump scares with those games, unless they can make you uncomfortable, with, like Silent Hill style, which yeah. is pretty rare. Oh yeah, the House of a Thousand Jump Scares was interesting. Uh, it was free to play at first. I played that, and the, that one was interesting because of the way it starts out. It's just you're going in this very, very, yeah. very boring mansion. Very boring, Pop but they jump scare you. The yeah, they jump scare <laughs> you, right? Jump scare, and it's like okay. And then deeper you go, the creepier it gets, the scarier it gets. The yeah. it, it follows all the tropes eventually, like, like. Well, every 100 floors is a different trope, which I like yeah. that. They're, they're doing that. It's just so goddamn boring getting to those points. And it's supposed to take advantage of the fact that you're getting bored, so you're getting... Uh, you're opening up to the possibility of Yeah, your tolerance of is lower than that, yeah. And it's a balancing... This is the what happens to every horror game, is the balancing act of tension and complacency. Yeah. And if you get too tense, you get exhausted and you get bored that way. And if you get too complacent, you get exhausted. Not exhausted, but you get bored that way. And I don't feel like any games really nailed it on the head because it's such a hard thing to figure out. But you still have people who really do get scared. Yeah. Funny thing was, uh, I, I streamed that game and the first jump scare, just a freaking cardboard ghost. I'm like, ah, what the fuck? It got me because of the, <laughs> just the sound and the suddenness of it. But it's just a cardboard ghost. Yeah. But eventually I just got bored of it and I was falling asleep on stream. Like, yeah. Alright, we're done, guys, because I'm falling asleep. I mean, the, the only horror game that actually piqued my interest, I don't think it ever came to fruition because it was one of these, yeah, another Kickstarter oh. project. There was a developer that was trying to do, do a game which would actually re uh, react to your heart rate and would change the environment and that based on your heart rate and that. So that, that as a concept was quite interesting to me. Obviously, it didn't pay off because it was one of those, right, well, this means everyone has to have a heart rate monitor or some sort of app, you know, on the, the Apple Watch or whatever it was the equivalent when it actually launched. Um, but it, that was an interesting concept, trying to do something different with the horror game genre. Actually, 
rather than relying on these tropes and you know cliches that have been done to death in movies you know walk down the creepy corridor jump scare we get exactly the same thing in games trying to do something different where it actually reacts to the player rather than just being you know the player is essentially an actor walking through this game director's um plan of what what's going to scare them i know i heard about that one and yeah the problem is peripheral like how are you gonna yep. pull that off like mio is it, is it yeah the the mio company they're called mio it's a mouse that does give your heart rate okay so i played uh whatever that game's called sanity's requiem can't remember the name of the game still I played that with the heart sensor on, like, yeah, this is cool. You get to see the heart, you get to see how I'm freaking out and everything. So a, a game that took advantage of that would be awesome, because like, okay, they're bored. It's time to hit them. It's time yeah. to hit them. All right, now they're really freaked out. Let's let's ease up or really hit them. Yeah. Depending. And yeah, it's uh, that's an interesting idea. And that's what will happen is innovation is going forward. But it's also a question of practicality as far as that one went, for sure. Peripherals are always are always such a, a scary co- uh, prospect. This is for what Sony. obviously all the, the companies that are investing heavily in VR are yeah. having the issue of. And it's working on for Sony, because I didn't I, I forgot they sold a million units for yeah. crap's sakes. Like, woof, okay, yeah, that worked out pretty well. I need to take advantage of that. But I think that they, they were in the, the, the kind of reasonably decent position of the fact at the time, it was, you know, Oculus and the Vive were the two main um, mm. VR ones, both, you know, the equivalent of like $500 or whatever to actually buy a unit. And then you had to have a high-end PC to run it. Sony come in with the PSVR, which is, what was it, $100, $200? And it would work on your PlayStation. So it's a much lower point of entry. So this is why they managed to shift so many units. Because it's that whole thing of developers like the idea of VR. They want to create games in VR, but they know, well, the user base is, you know, this small. (laughs) So why why spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of man hours creating a game for this many people when we can spend the same amount of time creating games that everyone can play? And until those game, those decent VR games are out there, nobody's going to buy the units. So it's that whole vicious cycle of what do you do? You, you need oh. to have people like Oculus and that actually making the games themselves. Yeah. Investing heavily to actually get people interested and the price of the units have to come down as well. Yeah. We don't want a Vita again, basically. <laughs> we just don't want that to happen again. Yeah. It's interesting seeing how VR is going and how and just figuring out which way is the way to go with it. There's like you move it through your movements in the game, or you have like some sort of a moving thing, but there's a seasickness problem. Or what Bethesda's doing, which is teleport, 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 teleport. Yeah. It's interesting to see what becomes a dominant way to do things, what just feels right. Because I know I've seen the ones where it's like VR where you have the hands and you're just crawling everywhere. Like, okay, so I'm just a creepy guy, apparently, <laughs> pawing at everything. And so it'll be interesting to see what becomes dominant or if there's just some advantage to each one. But I just really want a one where you're just, you kind of are just walking around and things. So Holodeck is what I'm looking for. Yep. I know I've seen someone on YouTube, they made their own custom like treadmill thing. So they're walking around 
and everything like that's pretty nice but that's not for everybody and so and we'll let's see face it, even, even with what is it vibes room scale vr and that you still need the the scale of the room to actually do it a lot of people don't have that amount of room to actually do something like oh. that yeah that was the problem for the connect and the move was that problem as well the advantage uh we had was in some ways you didn't always need the the monitor i mean the visor thing Sometimes you just needed the controls and just knew what the controls were doing. That's all you needed sometimes. Yeah. So that was an advantage because they were the ones who just, they broke gaming out with the Wii after all. Yeah. And I think it was, wasn't it Sony that said, well, we need Nintendo to be successful because they always bring in the the casual community? Yeah. I think they said that recently. I'm like, yeah, they do. They do that a lot. What they do, they do very well. Uh, last thing to talk about before we wrap up has got to be the difference in advertising that I noticed. PlayStation's advertising was, there's no one outside, there's no one at the beach, everyone's inside playing PlayStation. That was their ad. Nintendo says, go outside! <laughs> go outside with your thing! Use your Switch outside, make friends! This is supposed to be a social experience. Yeah. Do that. Like, everyone be inside, but PlayStation Nintendo's like, outside! You got, you got a mobile, we're not calling it mobile, it's a console, but you got a yeah. mobile device, go outside. Just go out there. Just, Pokemon Go! Go for a walk. Go I mean, that is, that is the one thing. For decades now, Nintendo have known what the gaming community really is. Mm. Obviously, they can't communicate with people on the internet because they don't like the internet and are confused by it. But uh. they know who gamers are and what... That people love playing games, but they love playing games with their friends and how they do that and how they socially interact. Whereas you have... The big corporations like Sony think, okay, we'll put people in these consumer-tested boxes, uh, and they all—they're all in the, these categories, and just put them in front of the screen. That's all they need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like what Nintendo's doing. <laughs> yeah, I've—I've I've said it before. I'm not a Nintendo fanboy, but I—I mm. I can appreciate them. They—they they yeah. know what they—they've they've stuck around now for the what the last. Yeah. Almost 40 years. Nintendo's Great totally going to die, guys. It's totally dying. Totally dying, yeah. guys. Like, it's funny every time that comes up. Nintendo. And the fact is, Atari designs. are trying to come back now. Oh, yeah, they are. Shoot. But they sold off a lot of their properties, I think, so I don't yeah. know how that's even going to go. So, so th this this new console they're bringing out, I, I have no idea. I don't even know. <laughs> God, we could talk for another hour. I already know it. So we will have you back in the future for dang sure. All right, I I I didn't get booted out off the island then, because <laughs> <laughs> there there's always something to talk about. Uh, that's there we always for is. Sure. And we we didn't even talk about we talked about current a little bit, but we didn't talk about just past. And there's so much to talk about. Yep. And so this was a joy for basically a podcast, everybody. <laughs> so all the information... not so much a podcast as just the pair of us ranting about <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that's what it is. And we'll probably see. Uh, I'm going to try to line up Verb. You said Fran's back, so I might try to yep. line her up next time. And I think it'll be a rotation of people that everyone knows a little bit. And then I want to, and I really do, I just don't know how I'm going to pull it off, is approaching devs, approaching other creatives. Because who doesn't want to see what how an artist thinks about things or a dev, how they see their game or other games? And it would be interesting to see if just talking about other devs not just them but like if who actually knows to cope and what they see about him because we mentioned him a little bit yeah he's impressive and just other ones and 
I would love, there's certain devs I'd love to get a hold of and talk to. And so we'll see where this grows, but we are, we will commit to this for, for as long as we see the profit. <laughs> as long as you no, keep turning up. <laughs> as long as I'm able to get someone every week, I see us doing this. It's going to be so a I'll challenge. See you again next week then, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's, I know, I know I, I can probably get you or Verb or Fran maybe on short notice. Yep. Which I don't think is a bad thing at all because you guys are great. You guys have a lot to talk about <laughs> and that'll be awesome. And we'll figure out f- format and cameras and all well, the things all we All this go. will change uh, yeah. some, to something. So basically <laughs> a podcast, it's, it's, it's going to be a couple pilots it's like, uh, as we are figuring it out. Or I guess every episode is a pilot when you, do, when you say it that way. Yeah. But we'll I told you, it it's, it's not a pilot. We're just in early access. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's just be clay about it then. <laughs> oh, man. Just so, too many games that could have been great they didn't finish. Thank you, Clay, for at least proving it's, you can, someone can finish an EA at least. So that's good. Yep. But um, so let's end it out. And the way I want to end it out really is you're on YouTube. I'm on YouTube. And. Maybe just one or two advice you would give for anyone who's been wanting to get into it. Because every now and then we run to someone who wants to do it, and they want advice. Uh, well, really, the the only advice I can give is temper your expectations. This isn't an easy ride. Um, obviously, some people do get lucky, break big really soon. But for the most part, it's a long, hard slog. It's it's putting in the hours. It's It's, you know building up communities, building up friends and connections. and But, I mean, at the end of the day, you need to love what you're doing. And you need to love, if you're wanting to set up a gaming channel, love games. Actually, you know, immerse yourself in that. You want to become a vlogger? It's get comfortable in front of a camera. Get comfortable just talking to people. And, yeah, just the main thing I would say is temper your expectations and also... Don't rely on YouTube being good. (laughs) 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 YouTube are always Uh, shifting the the goalposts. Uh, So uh, get used to being frustrated a lot of the time by stuff that, not not just kind of your own technology and things like that, but relying on somebody else to put, you know, host the content. You're going to rely on YouTube actually working uh, for one and actually... (laughs) doing so yeah just temper your expectations yeah uh yes copyright strikes oh those are always fun yeah Uh, for either the music or the game or none of those and somehow you got struck (laughs) anyway what 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 how does that work out uh just there's so many trials and tribulations of that we cannot monetize your game because uh it doesn't come in line with what we're doing right now for the ad oh, it's not It's not advertiser-friendly. <laughs> it's like, because we got it for, we're, we're, doing, we're doing Ghost Trick, and there's a dog yeah. named Missile in it. And we named it Missile Strike. <laughs> and like, it's not advertiser-friendly. It's a dog! It's a dog! It's a little doggy! It's a Pomeranian! It's, a, it's not Tokyo Jungle, people. It's not that dangerous. And, oh, they're like, oh, our bad. It's monetized now. And I was like, okay. I mean that is at least that's mm. one thing with what they've been doing with the the advertiser friendly stuff. The the appeals process does seem to be working at least at the moment. You know, yeah, it's it normally just... gets let back in within a few hours normally. 
So far, it looks good. It's just the first few hours are when you get all your views. Yeah. So if we were big, it would hurt. But it's it's learning. Luckily, like when you're at the start, you're learning a lot of concepts and how to deal with this and that and and how to take a punch. Hopefully, when you yeah. do have to take a punch for real, eventually. And yeah, that's I think that's pretty good advice. That's really good advice because there's the people like, where's my millions and millions of fans? Yeah. Where where are they? Why why am I not leafy? What? Or <laughs> Why am I not these guys? Because you're not those guys. Uh, just takes time. And it's also finding the right market or the right audience and stuff like that. Sometimes there's an audience that could make you blow up. You just haven't found them, honestly. Yep. There are sometimes it's just like that. And where... just don't don't be afraid to keep, you know, changing and experimenting and things like that. Because, I mean, like a lot of kind of creative processes, this is a creative process. It is, you know... You you might find yourself kind of stuck in a rut, and you want to kind of change stuff up. And uh, doing this, you have got that freedom. You're not beholden to anybody else. You can change stuff. This is your channel. You've got to own it and feel comfortable. You know, going well. I'm kind of getting bored of doing this. I want to do something different. Don't be afraid to experiment and try and find new stuff and things like that. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And with that, we will close out. So for those who are listening, and we'll, we'll have your stuff in the description, of course, but those who are listening and do are not going to look at the description for reasons, uh, where can you be <laughs> what, found? people don't look at the descriptions? Never. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I could write a sonnet and no one will ever see it. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, where everyone can find you and your channel and everything. Well, you can find us pretty much everywhere at the Kilobits. So that's YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, pretty much everywhere. As I say, at the Kilobits. There you go. Oh, one last question to that is: Has anyone thought it was called the Killer Brits? Has anyone ever thought that? I think we may have had somebody um, <laughs> early on. This case of we did also m make a joke. We we were going to put ourselves on Pornhub as well as the Killer Tits, but. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe that's further down the line. <laughs> oh, best April Fools was Cornhub. That was the best April. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so that is it. That is basically a podcast, everybody. With me, Last Garfin, from Killer Bits, and notes are very important here. Uh, what like for Jinx? It'll be how she formats the look of it. For her, that'll be the notes there. Yeah. For me, and well, for me. Because no, no one, no one attacked John. No one. <laughs> uh, just how? Come and take us off. I like the way we did this. Personally, I like yep. that we just went off on whatever we wanted to talk about because it's really it's more it's natural that way. We're not forcing anyone into a box that way. Yeah. But for structure, just letting the viewers know the structure. I want to be introduction at first if we if it's someone new, and then at the end, I always want a lesson to be mentioned so the kids learn something. <laughs> but no. <laughs> Uh, I want a lesson at the end because we have experience and it's yeah. important to at least talk about some sort of lesson we've learned for those coming after us. Yeah. And like, so they can have This better. is another one of the joys of YouTube is you're always learning something from your peers. Oh, yeah. I learned a lot from you guys once I uh, was, I think, Fran, yeah, Fran invited me into uh, yeah. the collaboration area. And so collabing with you and Franz and some of the other guys, I've learned a lot from you guys. And just gain more. And that's kind of the other joy of it is as I meet more people, the more I can learn. And yep. uh, the more 
just the better we can do. Definitely. So, see you next time, everybody. Bye. Oh, hey, Scott here. Uh, when I said my dick was two feet long, I meant three. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant.